couple months ago, Tony Santos found himself in an enviable position. His offer to buy a house in the suburbs of Raleigh, North Carolina, was accepted. Tony and his wife were overjoyed. And then... I kind of got that sinking feeling of, oh my God, <laughs> we just won an offer on a $825,000 home. What are we doing with our current home? They talked to a traditional broker, but Tony was also curious about the phenomenon of eye-buying. I'm kind of a self-proclaimed kind of technophile. Tony had heard about companies like Opendoor, Offerpad, and Zillow that will buy your house as is. No repainting the bathroom, no open houses, and no waiting around for bidders or banks or second thoughts. So Tony punched his address into Zillow.com. Basically, if you put in your address, the first thing that comes up, it's, you know, they'll tell you, hey, this is what we think your house is worth. And then right below that, it says, would you like an immediate offer from Zillow Offers? Click here and we'll, we'll offer you 474900 Tony clicks. And after a few more steps, he gets a call from a Zillow market representative. And she says, We no longer inspect homes. Uh, we just basically will provide you an offer. If you go ahead and accept that offer, uh, we'll send you all the paperwork and the seller disclosures. And then before your closing, somebody will come in and inspect your home. And then we'll just do the closing. So I looked around and I said, are, are you sure? I had zero interactions in person with anybody from Zillow until the day before we closed. And did you ever wonder, like, do I have the right people on the phone? Like, is this real? Is this really happening? The entire time, my wife just thinks, like, we're going to get scammed. Somebody's, somebody's doing some kind of fraud and they're taking out our social security number or something. But they accept the offer. Zillow sends a contract, and the only thing standing between Tony and selling his house is the final inspection. So Zillow, two days before we were closing, says, hey, we have you scheduled for your final walkthrough. We never even had an initial walkthrough, so I guess our final walkthrough was the walkthrough. Greg walks in. He has an iPad in his hand. He shakes my hand. He says, hey, I'm here for your inspection. He walks on over, takes a couple of pictures runs the sink water a little bit, flushes the toilet, looks around and says, oh, it's in great condition. And meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, like, the deck needs to be replaced and so we need to paint this place. Uh, <laughs> there's a windowsill that my dog ate. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm going to go take a few pictures. And, and so as he's walking out, I, I ask him, do you want to take the crawl space key? Like, it's, it's locked. He, he looks at me, he's like... Uh, you can just tell he, he didn't want to listen, necessarily go to the crawl space. So he goes around, he goes and he takes some pictures from the outside and he comes back. He's like, I probably should take a look at the crawl space, right? And I was just like, I, I think you should. <laughs> and that was it. Next day, Tony and his wife went to a run-of-the-mill suburban office park and signed over the house. We sit in the car for about five minutes and we just said... This can't be this easy. Like, there has to be a catch. Like, but no. At 4 p.m. last Friday, Tony gets a notification. He has a new deposit in his account. It's the money from Zillow. And then he gets a Zillow alert. His house has sold. How are you feeling about the whole thing? I, I love it. Tony closed on Friday. And that weekend, Bloomberg broke the news that Zillow was pausing its home buying operation. Today on the show, why Zillow hit a bump in the road, 
and what it says about the billions of dollars of houses that are now being bought and sold each quarter through online middlemen. I'm Henry Grabar, in for Lizzie O'Leary, and this is What Next TBD. Stay with us. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails. There ain't no going back. Selling a home in this country has traditionally been a transaction that comes with a lot of friction. So you can understand why the so-called iBuyers, internet companies like Zillow, have gotten a ton of investment to try to streamline this process. They're betting they can unlock economies of scale, buying paint, fixing plumbing, redoing kitchens. And it's basically working. Nationally, the iBuyers share of the housing market is still below 1%. But just before the pandemic, iBuyers accounted for 5 to 6% of home purchases in cities like Raleigh or Phoenix, which is why it was so curious when Zillow hit the pause button last week after buying almost 4,000 homes in Q2, a new record for them. I've always thought about these businesses as like there's a, it's sort of like a machine, right? Your your input is your first input is a house, and your output is also a house. This is Pat Clark, a Bloomberg reporter who covers Zillow. It's also a really complicated business, and it's and and well, Zillow has been around for a long time. They've only been in this business for a few years, and um, 
they messed something up. And their explanation is that they messed up the process of planning for and obtaining the labor they needed to process the homes that they bought. And they decided to, rather than slow down the machine, they, they decided to, kind of sh- to, to shut it off. You probably still think of Zillow as that site you scroll through to find out how much your friend's house costs. But the company actually takes in more revenue from their home buying and selling business, $1.5 billion in the first six months of this year than from anything else. They're not yet making money on all those transactions, though. And the company's profit center is still in its foundational business, advertising. I think that the Saturday Night Live bit on on Zillow being the adult pastime for cooped up adults during the pandemic, I actually think it got the business model right. You need something new. Something exciting. I need a new fantasy. Then you need Zillow. 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 You, you show up on the website and you look at a home and Zillow serves you like a little button that says, do you want to talk to an agent about that home? And it basically sells agents the right to be the name that pops up in that part of the screen. And it's a really high margin business, certainly compared to real estate. Flipping homes in general is a much lower margin business. I think of it as just sort of like an updated model on home flipping. And instead of trying to buy low and sell high, they would say, we try to buy at a market price. So the home seller is getting fair value. And by doing this lots and lots of times, they gain all of these efficiencies and so can operate at at a lower margin. That is something where um, this model is really not that's similar to the traditional business of flipping houses, which you compared this to. So, so let's go back a little bit. I mean, buying and selling houses uh, in this manner, buying one, fixing it up, selling it three months later, has been traditionally considered, it's sort of a, a tricky business, first of all, like hard to do at scale, and also considered a, a little seedy, I think. Yeah, that's why I don't like to be called flippers, because there's some portion of people who are flipping homes who are, you know, you're looking for bargains, right? You're You're looking for recent widows or widowers or people who just gotten divorced and and or whatever you're looking you're very often looking for people who are in a circumstance where they need to sell where they can't afford to fix up their house to get the best value for it and and so they're willing to sell for less so it's it's both considered a bit seedy and a bit risky public companies don't want to be considered either one of those things when zillow really pushed its chips in on this business. One of their co-founders and the initial CEO of the company said, this iBuyer thing is, the Zillow offers thing, is really important to us and we're going to go after it really big. And what he said was, we want to be buying 5,000 homes a month within three to five years. So like figure 60,000 homes a year by 2024, you know, and if you figure the average value of those homes, it's going to be $400,000. It's like huge amounts of money and, and houses and that was sort of the initial goal that he said, but it could easily, right. you know, if it works, it's going to look in size, nothing like what flipping has ever really been considered. When we come back, the promise of the iBuyer model for its customers, American homeowners.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go back a little bit. The big competitor to Zillow and the slightly more established company in this sphere is Opendoor, which started in 2014. What is their pitch to buyers and sellers? I can see advantages on both sides to dealing with a big company instead of dealing with some eccentric homeowner who, if you're buying from him, wants you to uh, write a letter about how much you love and will care for his hydrangeas. And if you're selling to him, uh, might make all kinds of weird demands about the painting and plumbing. And, and, and so I can see the advantage here. I can, I can see the advantage of dealing with a big company. Yeah, I think that the idiosyncrasies of the seller could be a part of it. But I think the number one thing is that it's a giant pain in the neck in many kinds of housing markets, you know, it's you've been putting off making a small repair. You've been like meaning to replace the tile in your kitchen for five years. You've never gotten around to it or never been bothered by it enough to spend the money and disrupt your life by doing it. And then you decide you're moving and now you have to make all the repairs for somebody else. Like it's kind of annoying, right? So you let somebody else handle that thing. And then in order to buy your next house, you know, you need the money that you get for selling your old house. And in order to sell your old house, the buyer of that house needs to get approved for a mortgage. They may need to sell their old house. And so there's like this whole chain of transactions that have to come off and very often have to come off right on top of each other. So if, if you were if you were buying if you were buying and selling from a company like Zillow or Opendoor, you could line up these tra- transactions to happen on the same day. Hire a moving van, take it from one house to the next, be a piece of cake. Yeah, and the nice thing about selling your house to Zillow or Opendoor is that they have the money, right? Like they make you the offer and, and, and they will come and inspect the house and make sure it's what their data said it was. Right. But there's not like the risk that their mortgage application is going to be denied. Right. I mean, one thing I wonder with this is, has Zillow or Opendoor really come up with innovative ways of um, evaluating homes, inspecting homes, improving homes, or are they just the first to be able to corral enough money uh, to do this kind of thing at scale? It's not crazy to think that they know a lot about home prices. But if you own a home, I mean, this is something that Redfin CEO said to me once, we have good algorithms, but um, but the person who's lived on a block for 
you know, however many years and, and seen all, seen what home prices in their neighborhood software has a really good algorithm too. These companies are certainly applying a lot of technology to the job of like deciding how much a home is, is worth today and how much they'll be able to sell it for six weeks from now. But we've seen them do it when home prices are rising and, and we still have to see them do it when home prices are less dependably higher and higher. I, I think most people outside these companies would say they remain untested in a true down housing market and they're chasing fast growth. And it's a lot easier to grow quickly when home prices are rising quickly because you don't have to be as accurate or as efficient in how you operate the business. Right. Uh, one thing I, I wonder is um, this model has been pioneered in a lot of Sunbelt metro areas where you have a relatively recent housing stock and a fairly self-similar one as well. Um, and in some of those markets, it's become a sizable share of all transactions. Could it become the default model that people just don't sell their homes to each other um, in the same way that farmers don't sell produce like directly to consumers? Like, is it possible that we end up with a permanent middleman model where these companies are just the companies that 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 control this this business? I guess it depends on two things. One, how painful, like how 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 eager are people? How desperate are people to to replace the painful process of selling a home the old way with something that is like closer to ordering food from your phone or something like how bad is the the old way of selling a home and i think that for a lot of people it's really bad and the prospect of doing it an easier way is really good and then the second question is at what price and to the degree that the i buyers give you full value for your home, then that's a great deal. And lots and lots of people will want to do it. Right. That's sort of what has happened to to our friend Tony, who, who we spoke to, which is that he got more from Zillow than it seemed like he would have gotten um, going the traditional route. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably not that's that's probably not sustainable. Just the fact that Zillow is taking a pause here. Does that mean that there you think there's a, a fundamental problem with doing the i buying model at at this scale, or is this just a hiccup on their way to their goal of um, doing tens of thousands of houses every year? I don't think they're going to stop, and I don't think this proves that they can't do it. Um, it It just proves that they're not getting it perfectly right at the moment. Pat, thanks so much for taking a minute to chat about your reporting. Thank you, Henry. Patrick Clark reports on housing for Bloomberg. And that's it for the show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks. We're edited by Tori Bosch and Allison Benedict. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. What next? We'll be back next week. If you missed it, go listen to Mary's show from Tuesday on the legacy of Colin Powell. I'm Henry Grabar. Thanks for listening.
coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails, there ain't no going back.